Welcome to Creative Canvas, the podcast that explores the intersection of art, technology, and creativity. We are your hosts, Rachel and Octavio. We are excited to dive into the fascinating realm of generative AI and its potential to disrupt and expand the future of creative work. Join us as we explore the benefits, challenges, ethical considerations, and implications for creators in this rapidly evolving landscape. It's fascinating how technology is reshaping the way that we create and appreciate art. And to help us explore this subject, we have a very special guest with us today. Please welcome Mike Lannon, an expert in generative AI and its impact on the arts. Welcome to the show, Mike. Can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Certainly, yeah. Thanks so much for for having me on. So my name is Mike Lannon, and I'm the founder of a small digital firm in Burlington, Vermont. Our main specialty is web design and, and digital marketing, but we jumped right on the generative AI train pretty early on, about two years ago. We started using it. But on a personal note, I am a dad, a Lego nerd. I've got two amazing daughters and an awesome wife. I live here in Berlin, Vermont. Our office is in Burlington, Vermont. What got you interested initially in generative AI? Yeah, so yeah, a very good question. Yeah, so I think everybody's kind of hopped in at different times. You know, if unless you've been living under a rock, most folks have, have heard about chat GPT, but we've been using AI for about two and a half or so uh, years now. We originally started using a product called Jasper. It originally was called Jarvis, but they they got a, a lovely lawsuit from from Disney for using that name. So it's now called Jasper AI, and they were a leader and still kind of are in the text side of things and content text content creation. And we pretty transparently started using it with our co- clients for content planning, ideation, even for writing out drafts of content but still using humans to actually write the majority of it and and proof it. And it's been really impactful and and powerful for us, but kind of can't stress the fact that it can't fully replace humans yet. So speaking of the lawsuit with Disney, what are some of the copyright issues that the company could run into with using AI you know, with your work? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. It's 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 kind of a, a, a pickle of a situation. I, I won't pretend to be a lawyer in, in any way, shape or form. And like, who owns it? You know, the if it's code, is it the coder who wrote it or the, the coder that made the AI software to begin with? Is it the company that creates the output? There's definitely a gray area at the moment. A majority of the software that that's used will state that you own the output of it, whether it's text or photography or videography or music. However, most of it states that you can't copyright it because a lot of it is trained on copywritten information. So I don't have like a a real good answer to that yet. I'm not sure the world does (laughs) yet. It definitely is an, an interesting situation for sure. Okay. So what what are some of the cybersecurity issues that you might have an issue with generative AI? Yeah, so that that's also like a really kind of fun conundrum. You know, like imagine like a 
like a in a in an older time supervillain like the Joker or something in Batman, but with access to like high speed internet and infinite artificial intelligent minions. So you could basically have like a whole new ball game of like deep fakes, like kind of creating fake versions of of people, supercharging phishing attacks and making it look like it's really something that you should need to log in and change your bank information. So I think that's a a really big risk right now. Some companies are even like whole blocking chat GPT and AI tools from their networks because one of the, and one of the other fun things is most of the software gets retrained when you use it on the information you put into it. So if you put in some examples of your proprietary code, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Samsung and a couple other companies started doing that and putting in their own proprietary code, and it puts it back into that training model with the risk of other people using the software and getting kind of outputs of that proprietary code. So there's like this mixture of like kind of leaking of inf- intellectual property, cyber attacks. I think like with any new tool that comes out, the only way like to fight against it is like just to keep using it. There's a battle, I think, kind of going back and forth of like, we just need to stop using the software and like turn it off. But if us, you know, as a nation, say is an example, stop using it for like a month, you know, even the rest of the bad actors aren't going to change and stop using it. So we've really got to embrace it, learn how to use it so we can protect against it. Have you, when I know your company does a lot of website design. Do you think that there will be any cultural concerns or ethical concerns using AI? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think because all of these tools are in LLM, a large language model, it's it's trained on on us as humans. And whether we like it or not, we're all inherently biased and in some way. So if the model is trained also like kind of dominantly on certain kind of cultural aspects or biases, it could just like amplify those biases and inequalities. There's also potential concerns of like appropriation where it could like kind of be copying and mimicking certain cultural sort of heritage behaviors whether you know on purpose or accidentally and like disrespecting a, a culture so there yeah there's there's a lot I mean I think a lot of these things can happen completely without this AI tech like it's not like this didn't happen before but it's like a supercharge it's like putting it on steroids and making it you know accessible you know to to everyone so yeah, I think with with all this it's just you definitely want to proof everything and not copy and paste outputs that come out of these tools. I think that makes it important to know that the human touch is needed when it comes to AI. Yeah, especially when there's artists that that really are very fond of their artwork. Do you think there's a transparency between between the two? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, I'm going to butcher the quote and I'm not even sure, I just know he's been quoted to say it a lot. Picasso is, I think it's like, you know, good artists copy and great artists steal or something along those lines. And uh, a lot of Picasso's work was was influenced by, I, I believe, like African art and sculpture and things like that. But we still view Picasso, I think, for the most part, as 
you know, as a decent artist, as a good artist. So yeah, I think it's been happening for for years and years. One artist kind of copying another, but potentially adding a spin on it. The the pro and the con of AI is it puts that in the hands of anybody on with an internet connection and with a free or near free piece of software on the web to just kind of exponentially potentially create and kind of copy written information. And yeah, it's, it's a slippery slope. I, I do not have the answers for that. I think there's also questions of like, if artists should transparently say like created with AI tools, or if there's content written like this blog written with AI tools, with a human editor, you know, type of a thing. I think I don't, I'm not sure how I I feel uh, about that. I mean, we don't do that with other tools necessarily, or like, you know, this logo made with like Adobe Illustrator and like this particular tool, it's not like, even though those tools help quite a bit compared to the kind of old fashioned ways of kind of cut and paste with paper, though, like I said, this tool just kind of makes it infinitely easier to kind of copy art without necessarily any art background. (laughs) Right. That totally makes sense. How do you think that artists can stay true? That's a, that's a good question. I mean, I think one of the, like kind of the pros of, of AI for artists is the abilities to uh, train it on their own content. I think something that I do a lot of speaking engagements and I found that a lot of folks don't know that you can take make your own kind of miniature model so to speak and train it on either like your own text or your own photography kind of canvas paintings any kind of like art mediums and have sort of like a a muse generator (laughs) to create new ideas that you might not just take that idea and just boom plop it onto the web and create it kind of on mass but i i know whether i'm staring at like a blank canvas for you know, for paint or for typing, staring at that canvas is 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 rough. So it, it is like having this infinite muse, but it also gives kind of the ability for others to take your your exact style and and mimic it. So yeah, there's probably not really any way to to protect it per se, though I think with any with any other tool and medium that comes out, somebody finds like some other very unique way to make it their own. But in the past, if someone wanted to copy that, they might need to learn how to use all these particular like physical hand tools and go to school and trial and error. And now you can just kind of type in a prompt and say, hey, here's 10 examples of this particular artist. Make something that looks kind of like it, but slightly different. And then boom, you know, kind of quote original piece of art, but looks 90% like somebody else's. So do you think that using AI would help the artist push their own boundaries and creativity by putting in their own prompts and how the AI generates basically ideas for them? And then they're able to take those ideas and make it their own art style. I do. Yeah. So this is just kind of like one maybe random example, but you know, take an example of like a classically trained photographer and like all that they've done for the past, you know, 40 years is just stunning photography work. And maybe they want to kind of dabble in like watercolor, 
but they don't know where to start or how to kind of take that from photography to a different medium and they want to maybe quickly see what it could look like, they could pop in all of their original photography and then add in particular prompts and say, you know, make this a watercolor with this particular style, whether they're saying, you know, make it like a Bob Ross with, you know, happy little trees, you know, inside there, or just a very generic, take this for photo and make it into a watercolor. It could create for that particular artist, like a completely new original output kind of medium that's their own and potentially allow them to create like some digital kind of watercolor art and sell that on, you know, whatever platform they might be using. So I think like with any of these tools, there's tons of pros, but also just a, an equal amount of, of cons because anybody else could do that exact same thing. Do you think like a big con of using that, even just the prompts themselves would kind of break the artist's emotional connection to it? Because I know if you're staring at a like a blank canvas, like you said, and you have like this block and then you see something and your inspiration just comes to you and your ideas, right? The spark of ideas are kind of just flowing out of you and you have that emotion and you're just pouring it onto the canvas. But if you use the AI and add that's generating it for you, and then your creativity is coming from that, do you think that breaks that emotional connection? That's a really good question. Yeah, I think I think for some it certainly could, you know, especially those that are maybe just like I said, more kind of classically trained and and went to either whether they went to school or really have practiced the medium, whether it's you know watercolor or whatever kind of medium that they're using. But I think for others though. It, it could just be this way to explore art where they may have stared at that canvas, never had that spark, and then just put their hands up and said, well, I am done with with art or I am done with this type of you know medium because I just can't can't get it. So I, I think it's like a like a like a 50 50. Uh, I, I think again with like as tools change, I think when, when digital kind of art as a medium came out with, I always pronounce it wrong, Wacom or Wacom tablets where you can have a you know a pen stylus and and draw. I, I remember this was probably back in I date myself now, in like early high school, back in like 97 or so, some of those tablets, those those digital kind of art tablets were just coming out. And the art teachers in my school were like, this is the worst thing for artists. This is going to be like the end of creativity as we know it. And I think it just happens in, in, in cycles. Like all these conversations are kind of happening the same way. Like it wasn't true art. You weren't like an artist. I think art is in the, you know, the eye of the beholder. So yeah, it depends on who is using it. And I think anybody can find that kind of creative spark in, in any tool that they use. But there certainly will be folks that look at it as not either maybe not real art, not real creativity. When I think there's a there's something real in coming up with those written prompts that that come up with the outputs, kind of blend of the analytical the creativity. That has me questioning. Do you think generative AI will stunt or help the learning process for new users? I think it could really like supercharge it in in some ways but i mean i think like a calculator you know i remember like when the ti-86s or whatever came out again dating myself there was like controversy about those and you couldn't bring them on sats that you still have to have like a 
fundamental understanding of, of like what is art and what is what what you no know, what is good and what is bad, even though that might be like in the eye of the beholder. But I, I think in many ways it could jumpstart it to kind of show someone, oh, you know what, that's like the type of medium I want to work with. And maybe they take that from screen to the physical world and be like, you know, I really want to do painting of of this style or like an impressionist kind of style because I love these outputs that are coming out. And now maybe I want to do this, you know, in, you know, kind of the physical world as opposed to the the digital world. On the other hand, it also just allows anybody, like I said, to just type in a prompt and kind of churn out a farm of, you know, of art and not necessarily know anything about the fundamentals of, of like kind of how that works. So you think that you should have the background in art before you should use the AI because it would perhaps hurt new users to the digital arts and arts in general, because they think that they would just be able to dive right in, but it would actually hurt their ability to learn. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of the pros and the cons of AI is you can use the AI like a tutor, you know, and, and ask it questions in the like, kind of the the non like mid journey, which is mostly, you know, just outputting art, but other tools like ChatGPT and Jasper, um, it's like having an infinite tutor and you can say like, what tools should I get? I'm, I'm just learning. Or I want to learn about how to paint with oils. I've always painted with watercolor and you can ask it for a recommendation of the tools to buy techniques for particular, you know, sh- uh, strokes uh, or how to mimic a particular style that you've seen. So it's like having an infinite art teacher that is always available and then you can kind of create outputs um, based off of that, whether it's in the digital world or the or the physical world. So do you think within the work of using AI and generative AI, do you think it could diminish the the art if someone does it half fast? Yeah, I mean, I think that's also a really good question. I, I think it can happen with you know, with, with, with any of those tools that you use, whether they're, they're AI or not. I remember taking like kind of art theory classes in in high school and in college. And there definitely were a couple of folks in inside that class, including myself sometimes that kind of half-assed it in the, in the physical world. And I feel like maybe if I had access to some of these tools, I could, could have explored things in a more like exponential manner. But yeah, I think the, the difference of of this generative AI though is how easy it is to hop in and half-ass stuff <laughs> or just be like, give me, you know, this painting that looks like a Picasso and you just type in like a sentence and boom, you have like something that looks vaguely like a Picasso, but with maybe no training whatsoever. Right. So with, with creators that may create an art piece and they really understand the art and really put it into a canvas... Do you think it speeds up their productivity? I, I think it can. I mean, I, I think it also could allow an artist to take their style and very quickly see what it could look like if it was in a different medium or if the colors were changed or if you know there was trees inside the scene versus, versus not to kind of give them a sort of a glimpse of what that canvas in the real world could look like. If they want to waste their time doing it, I am just a a fan of the control Z 
undo button that is significantly harder in painting <laughs> to, to do. And with tools like this, it kind of gives you an infinite amount of like, what if, you know, what if, and then you could choose to take that and kind of go into the real world and you know apply that or, or not. With the way that it's kind of speeding up your ability to create work, if you are putting your heart into it, do you think that if you're making it for a customer, that they would be fully satisfied? And if you're being transparent with them that you use AI, would it impact them positively or negatively? And do you think that if they knew you were using it, they would use it to their advantage to be like, no, I don't like this and expect you to have a faster turnaround than if you weren't using it? Yeah, really good question. Yeah, I think we all, I think, assign value to things, you know, very differently. There's like some old adage that I will, of course, probably butcher about like carpenters, like you're not paying them for the time that it takes for them to hammer those nails. You're paying them for like the, you know, 25, 50 years of experience where they can like build that deck faster. So if they had the knowledge experience or the tools to build your deck in one week, for double, you know, the cost of someone that takes to do it in six months, like, wouldn't you want to pay to get it done faster and have it done faster and not pay them less. But I think there are definitely folks with a school of thought of, well, you got to, you got to this outcome faster. I will pay you less now. Like I see less value in that, or it's just as easy for me to do this now, you know, with this particular tool. I think that's happened with a lot of other technologies throughout, throughout the years. Yeah, I think it'll be kind of equally split. There'll be some folks that that are just equally as satisfied with the outcome, whether they're transparently told if it was used with with AI or not. And I've purchased, well, I've, I've not knowingly yet like purchased any AI art, but I've purchased lots of um, just traditional digital art in the past, like framed. And I've been completely happy, you know, with it, knowing that there was not like a physical hand stroke that, they did anything, but they used tools and their art background to create a really cool outcome for me. And if that took them 10 seconds or like one full year, I would have paid the exact same amount for it. You definitely think it would have an impact on the value and, you know, marketability of the artwork that it produces for. Yeah. Awesome. Indeed. Do you think that it would replace the need for directors and like actors themselves in the use of film? Especially if film industry is like using CGI, any film that have any actors, do you think they could be replaced due to generative AI? That's a really good question. I mean, at the moment, if you've seen any of the, the video outputs of like TV commercial examples and things, they are pure nightmare fuel. AI cannot get hands and faces right to save its life. But I think eventually, maybe, I think one of the biggest kind of benefits is a writer could use some of these tools to create a storyboard that kind of visually represents and or a director that visually represents like what they want to see. And then that actually gets replicated, you know, so to speak, by the human um, actor and CGI experts. So like less a replacement, but more of like get from point A to point B 
or even like from point A to point Z in the time it takes to get from point A to, you know, to point B, very, you know, very, very quickly. But as that technology gets like better and better, sure, there certainly could be, you know, this, what if there's a deep fake actor likeness, you know, created of, you know, Sandra Bullock and just that it never needs a vacation, never ages and just can be inside infinite movies. I have not been following it too closely, but I'm pretty sure there is a good amount going on with like screen actor guilds and things like that right now to put some rules and regulations in place before it gets to that point. And I think there there certainly should be discussions about that and some some regulations, you know, like who owns that replica, you know, of that, you know, of that artist. I, I think we're I'm probably going to be ending up putting my foot in my mouth saying this and being recorded, but that we're light years away from that being like acceptable to us as humans to watch because the, let's call it the uncanny valley. Like you look at it and it's, it doesn't look fully like a human yet (laughs) in in the video outputs. It's getting there, but yeah, it's, I don't think it's going to fully replace in our, in our lifetimes. I think it's just going to make it, like I said, infinitely easier to kind of create storyboards and kind of prototypes of scenes you know from a non kind of human side of things for like cartoons and kind of full cgi created shows i think that market probably has a much higher chance of being like completely replacing a lot of those artists but there's still going to be a need i i think for just for human human oversight and editors, but there certainly will be like displacement of some of those like entry level kind of type artists. Okay. So if you think that there is a possibility way in the future, which I know we talked about the hands and I recently was making a project for school where I decided, let me see how AI works. And I went into Adobe Express and decided to, you know, put in some prompts. Oh my goodness, the hands were ridiculous and the faces, the distortion was crazy. And then it was recently someone won a photography contest, but refused the first prize and then said, hey, I actually made this using AI because I want to start the discussion on it, which I thought was really cool because he was transparent about it. Indeed. Right. But do you think that there will come a time when AI will be so advanced, not in just the film world, but digital arts where companies will have the ability to use it and no longer need to hire artists at all because the AI will be able to take the prompts and do it themselves where the faces won't be distorted. It can use the hands because I know that would greatly impact the careers of all of the artists that have spent years trying to fine tune the craft. Yeah, no, I, that, that's a really fair point. I mean, I think a, a point I like to make at any time that I am speaking in front of an audience about AI is that as crude as it sounds, the AI that we know right now is the dumbest it will ever be today. Like right now at this point, it's it's the worst it will ever be. But at the moment, it has fully passed the bar exam it, better than most like lawyers that try to take it. It can fully create like a, a year's worth of digital marketing plans. It can design 
visual masterpieces. It's getting pretty good at replicating even singing and 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 music, but it's the worst it will ever be right now. But it's basically a toddler. So, you know, imagine if your own little little kiddo at this moment in time could pass the bar exam and create visual <laughs> masterpieces and create the marketing plan and, you know, write the produce the next, you know, banger Drake song. Imagine what they can do uh, when when they're five years old or ha- heaven forbid the AI you know becomes a teenager, what it's gonna do then. Yeah, I think there there is a point in time where it's gonna be indistinguishable. You're not gonna be able to know. And we we've had we've had this AI technology in our lives in every aspect, but just either like not knowing it or it hasn't been like as disruptive of this. So like auto driving cars, like the the auto correct on your phone every time you ducking say something and you really want to say what the F it puts in the wrong thing. There's there's so many kind of other things that are out there um, that that exist and the the kind of the echoes and Alexas of our world. And I think what's going to happen though is it's going to get so indistinguishable that yeah, it could there could be a complete uh, photography air quote um, company that has kind of a a library of models. And you can then choose what you want those models to be posed in, what clothing they wear, things of that nature. That is 100%, I'm like not oblivious to it, like going to disrupt a whole like agency model <laughs> for human models and photographers, but will create potentially thousands of new agencies and artists that are trained in how to design and create those virtual models. Pro of that, though, we're just always doomed to make mistakes, even if we have these awesome tools. I I think a pro of it, if used right, is there could be like a lot more diversity kind of programmed in to those models. So they're more representative of different walks of life, different races, different cultures. So there's a lot of positives to it, but yeah, it's gonna replace a whole industry of things just like things have in the past, you know, there there was once a thriving black blacksmith industry, and when the automobile came out, I'm sure they were not super pleased about that. But that took a bit of time for that to happen gradually. This, you know, is happening. It seems like by the week, there's a whole new like disruption to to an industry. So my long winded way of saying, yeah, it's going to disrupt a lot. It's uh, I feel like it's going to create more jobs than potentially than it disrupts. But the learning curve for some of this tech uh, for, for for folks that don't know how to use it might be kind of steep. You know, one thing, though, on the positive side, I read this yesterday, Microsoft has just announced a fully, completely free LinkedIn course, because Microsoft owns them, where you can go get a full certification that you can put on your LinkedIn profile. This one particularly is more like in the the generalities of, of AI and how to use it and different tools to use. So I think as bigger companies like that kind of step up and say, hey, here's free access to learn how to use this technology, it won't leave a bunch of folks behind. Because that's kind of one of my biggest fears is a whole like society of people get left behind because they don't know how to use the, uh, the AI tech.
So this is kind of touching on how we said the AI is in its toddler stages and going back to the copyright stages. Mm -hmm. So a little bit ago, you know, fun TikTok, there was Ghostwriter on TikTok who used Drake's voice and The Weeknd's voice to create yeah. an entire song, but it was AI generated. And it came out amazing and it sounded just like them. And it can, like people were actually questioning whether it wasn't AI generated or it was actually Drake and The Weeknd wanting to create a diss track and going under the guise of it being AI. Like that's how good it was, which yeah. would kind of stand to say that that isn't toddler-esque, which kind of points to DJs and how they use music that comes from artists and how they've gotten in trouble for copyright before and then this specific song on tiktok they were told that they were infringing on content created with the generative ai yeah so it's like well the digital arts haven't caught up yet part of it has which kind of makes it scary to think about it does. Yeah. I think it's going to be a legal nightmare. I think lawyers are set for, for quite a while as they like determine what the laws should be. And yeah, it's this, it's this slippery slope of like, how much do you have to change something for it to be unique? Those, those like mimicked, whatever they were, you know, mimicked Drake songs. I listened to them as well. And like they were I felt like it was better than some of the other Drake songs that I listened to. And I was like, well, this is scary to the point where I also thought like, this is just a PR stunt. Like they just found a way to get billions of people looking at something for no cost whatsoever. But I, I, I don't think that was the case. But I, I do think, though, for better or for worse, probably mostly for worse, that a majority of these artists are going to hire agencies. They're going to partner up with the with the record labels and create indistinguishable clones uh, of these of these artists that are licensed by them and you know drake and the weekend just sit sipping my ties and albums get created they proof them and make sure it's like their brand and whatnot and it just gets kind of spit out i think for a little bit of kind of a, a closeness to that the the formulas that have been used for music in my opinion over the past like last 40 or 50 plus years have been like this exact same formula like over and over and over again with pop music and there's like only so much that you can do to be creative too and unique but this is gonna like make that like fuel on the fire so it's going to change the music industry for sure. I mean, it already it already is. And a lot of that tech's been used in the background for years. We just haven't like seen it be accessible to any of us with with fingers and access to the Internet. So it's not really like new in, in those cases. But yeah, that that's how good it is now. Imagine how good it'll be in the next five years. Well, well, there's obviously still a lot more questions about, you know, the pros and cons, but it's clear that there's immense potential when it comes to AI. What advice would you give creators who are interested in incorporating AI to their process? Yeah, I, I would say just fully embrace it. I would say for anyone that that is listening to this, even if like 
deep in their soul <laughs> or whatever they believe is I never wanted to use the AI tech. Step out of your comfort zone, hop into it because it's like, well, like when the internet first came out, there were a surprising number of people <laughs> that were quoted saying, this is just a fad or like, this is the end of humanity. Definitely don't think it was a fad. Whether it's end of humanity is up to <laughs> to see how things play out. But it, we've got to embrace it and learn learn how to use it. Learn how to, to use it for good. I think with with any tool, but especially with AI, uh, it could go really really good. It could also go really really bad. But if we just pretend that it's not there, it's it's not going to to disappear anytime soon. So you know, hop into to using like kind of digital art creative tools like Midjourney and you know any kind of content writers or 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 editors hop into tools like ChatGPT and Jasper to just start learning how they they work and how things connect and I think folks will be surprised and how they can use their their experience with adding in new fun twists to create something that's unique and creative and just a different a different outlet. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for your advice. And as we wrap it up, do you have any final thoughts or predictions on the future of generative AI in this art world? Oh, that is a good question. And I think I'll I'll go back to just kind of like my, my toddler analogy of like, it's just going to get crazy in the, in the next couple of, of months and, and years. So, so buckle up and embrace it. I do think there's going to be a a giant disruption of jobs, but also the creation of of new ones. I think that's just going to happen very quickly, though. I am still in the school of like the positive side of things, more so. Not oblivious to the negative sides, but definitely the more like the glass half full side of AI. So embrace it, experiment with it, just like any other like medium or tool or material that comes out for art. Gotta gotta check it out, and even if it's scary hop in and, and and have fun. I completely agree with that. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Your insights have been invaluable. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. And I really hope that we can have you on our show again. Yes. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you both so much. I'd, I'd, I'd love to be on again. Awesome. Well, have a wonderful day and we will see you again in the future. All righty. Take care. the end of another captivating episode of Creative Canvas. We hope you enjoyed our exploration of generative AI. Stay tuned for more thought-provoking discussions on the intersection of art and technology. This is your host, Rachel. And your co-host, Octavio.